So as Matt said earlier, uh, we're starting a new sermon series tonight. Uh, my name's Toby, I'm the vicar. If we haven't met, it'd be great to meet you after the service. If you're around, come and say hi. Uh, but we are, um, our vision, as Matt said, is to play our part in three things. The evangelization of the nation, the revitalization of the church, the transformation of society. These are big goals that we feel God has called us to that we want to be part of. But in order to do those things, we need to have solid foundations ourselves in our faith. And so we're kicking off a new sermon series this term. Uh, last term, we were kind of looking at gathering together. This time, we're look, term, we're looking at growing, and next term is about going. Uh, so we're looking at growing. How do we grow our faith? And we're, this sermon series is called Distinct uh, because we're talking about holiness. What does it mean to be holy? And I'm going to kind of unpack what that means uh, later on. But first, we're going to have a reading uh, from uh, Dan, who heads up our... <laughs> international student ministry and I asked him to do this reading literally 25 seconds ago so please can you welcome Dan who's going to come and do our reading right I think so the reading is from 2 Timothy 1 verses 6 to 10 for this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Dan. Fantastic. Dan is um, very close to my heart. He's a Liverpool fan. And we are suffering, we are suffering together at the moment. Okay, fantastic. So, um, as I said, we're going to be talking a little bit about holiness. And I don't know what you think of when you hear the word holiness, but I'll be honest, my heart sinks. I think, oh gosh, holiness. I am not holy. Why are we talking about holiness? You're going to tell me a number of things that I'm not doing very well and to stop doing naughty things. Uh, that's kind of what holiness brings up. It's kind of a bad taste in the mouth. I don't know if you have that feeling and reaction, but that was certainly my reaction uh, many times when I looked at that word. However, what I would love to do is to persuade you tonight that holiness is not something to go, oh gosh, but actually to go, oh there's something in this that could help me in my life and actually could help our world if we were to grasp it properly. We're kicking off this sermon series on holiness, and this is really a little introduction to what holiness is in the Bible. But uh, an analogy that I thought of this week is, is this. Barney, uh, our five-year-old son, uh, last two weeks ago got scarlet fever. And as a result of that, he got a rash all over his back. He had a high temperature. He was not happy. And we went to the doctor, and the doctor said, you need to take penicillin. And they gave us this bottle that was mixed up in the pharmacy, and it was like radioactive red color. And uh, I tasted a little bit, and it tasted absolutely disgusting. 
But we had to give this to Barney every, every few hours and throughout the night as well. And so I had to try and persuade him that it was good. I said, it's, re it's really tasty. <laughs> he said, is it? It looks a bit funny. And I said, no, no, it's great. So he tried it, and he, uh, it's a syringe that you put into his mouth rather than a, a spoon. And uh, I injected that whole lot into his mouth, and he spat the whole lot out in, in my face. And that was fair enough. But it was so disgusting. And I said, well, you know, I tell you what, why don't we warm up? Why don't we have um, something to help you? Why don't we have cowpole? And he said, okay. So he had cowpole. And cowpole, if you've ever tasted it, is like the nectar of the gods. It is delicious. It is amazing. I have a lot of cowpole regularly. I, should, I probably shouldn't have so much. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, but it is amazingly delicious. Now, what we hear of when we hear um, holiness is we often think of penicillin, of antibiotics. It's kind of, we know it's good for us, we should be taking it, but it tastes disgusting. But actually, holiness is much more like cowpaw. It is good for us, and it tastes amazing as well. And I want to try and persuade you that, uh, that holiness is much more like cowpaw than uh, penicillin. This is what uh, Dr. Ruth Etchells, who is the former principal of St. John's College in Durham, an Anglican theological college, uh, the first non-Anglican and the first woman to hold that po uh, post in its 100-year history. But she said this about holiness. Holiness is actually the shining dazzle of profoundest divine love exchanged continually within the Trinity and poured out for creation in all its forms for our deepest and most joyful good. I love some of those words in there. Shiny, loving, joyful, good. When we talk about holiness, that is what we're talking about. C.S. Lewis said this, How little people know who think that holiness is dull. When one meets the real thing, it is irresistible. We think that holiness sounds boring, legalistic, restrictive, dull, but if you meet someone who is holy, it's incredibly attractive. I don't know if you've met someone. Who would you describe the person who is most holy? It's a holy uh, and attractive thing. So let's unpack a little bit where this comes from in the Bible. Uh, the word holy is uh, mentioned over 500 times in, in the, in the uh, Bible in the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's primarily used in the Old Testament in reference to God. So Leviticus 19 verse 1. You probably have heard this before, the Lord said to Moses, speak to the entire assembly of Israel and say to them this, be holy because I, the Lord, your God, am holy. He starts off God by saying, I am holy. Now, when we think of a sort of holy person, we sort of think of someone who has done more morally good things than someone else. But so we might think of God as someone who's done more good stuff than bad stuff. But actually, that doesn't get close to what we're talking about here. God is not the sort of best version of someone that we can imagine. He's not even on the scale. He is off the scale. He is holy. He is, in fact, the word in, in Hebrew, kadosh, means uh, distinct, different. That's why we're calling this sermon series different. He is very different from us, which is good news. Because if he was like us, frail and broken, then we'd be in trouble. But God is not like that. God is holy. He's different. And when we're talking about his holiness, 
we're not sort of talking an, about an attribute of God. We're not talking about a descriptor of God. So it's not like saying God, God is nice. Uh, it, 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 is a, a it is his very essence. So in other words, you, you might say, you might look at me and describe me. Uh, I don't know, tall, dark, handsome. I don't know. <laughs> or, or, or maybe not, old, past it, whatever it is. Anyway, you might describe me with whatever it is. But actually, I am not just those things. I am Toby. I'm more than that. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Cree. <laughs> I'm more than that. Um, it's the same with God. This is not just a little descriptor of him. His very essence is holiness, difference. He's different from us. He's set apart. And he is all-powerful. We were singing that earlier, which is great news for us. Because if you are struggling in life, it's good to be able to go to someone who is all-powerful, who is all-knowing, who is all-loving, who is different from us and is distinct. So, can I encourage you? This is, this is what I try to tell myself every day, to resign every day from being the general manager of the universe. I sometimes think, it's all up to me. I've got so much to do in my life. I need so many things that's sorting out. Actually resign from that position and say, okay, God, you are holy. You're in control. I trust you. It's immense, immensely freeing. So uh, God says, I am holy in Leviticus. But he also says, be holy just as I am holy. Now, how can that be? That sounds like a paradox, doesn't it? On the one hand, we're saying that God is distinct, he's different, he's holy from us. And then God is saying, you be holy. How can we be like someone who's different from us? Well, here's what uh, Paul says to Timothy in verse 9 of our passage that, that Dan read earlier. The key is in this passage. It says this, he has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given through Jesus Christ. The key to holiness is grace. We don't work up our own uh, sense of achievement. It is all a free gift. Holiness comes from God to us. So the answer, how can we be holy? How can we possibly try and do what God has asked us to do? Well, the answer is in Jesus. And the answer is in three uh, particular ways. Because Jesus is the means of holiness. He's the model of holiness. And he is the method of holiness. He is the means, model, and the method of holiness. I'll unpack those, what I mean by that, in a second. So first of all, Jesus Christ is the means of holiness. So here's my encouragement. Find Jesus for yourself. Wasn't it amazing to see those, those videos of those baptisms? And if you were here to hear the stories of people saying they had found Jesus. Or in fact, a better way of putting it is that Jesus had found them. And that is what we see in the New Testament over and over again is Jesus finds people. In fact, he finds people that you wouldn't imagine that he would find. He illustrates grace through everything he teaches and every interaction that he has. Now, sometimes we might think, I'm doing pretty well. We might think, 
on the scale of things, I'm not as bad as Hitler, I'm doing quite well. But actually, we're all flawed, aren't we? We're all failing. We all have problems in our lives. And Romans 3.23 says it very clearly. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have fallen short of God's glory. I probably don't need to tell you that, that we're all in the same boat. Uh, This week, I took my car in for an MOT. Uh, It is a VW Golf Estate, and it is about 30 years old. And it is a diesel. I'm so sorry. We're going to get rid of it. But anyway, (laughs) I'm paying a lot of money at the moment to come into Bristol. Anyway, so um, we took it for an MOT, and we're going to get rid of it this year. And I was thinking, we'll just scrape through our MOT, and then uh, we'll uh, we'll try and find a new car. So I took it into the MOT, and the guy said um, on the phone, he said, I'm afraid your car has failed its MOT. It had four uh, lights that were out. And I thought, okay. It's all right. And he said, plus, it leaves quite a lot of welding to be done (laughs) to the chassis. I was like, okay, that's a bit more serious. Our car hasn't just failed. Our car has totally failed the MOT. It needs a lot of work to get it back on the road. Now, the point is, it doesn't matter whether you've got one brake light out or if your whole car needs welding together, every single car has failed its MOT. And we're in the same position. Every single one of us, Romans says, is we all fall short of the glory of God. But the, the verse doesn't finish there. It says, all fall short of the glory of God and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came through Jesus Christ. We all fall short, but we can all receive grace. And Jesus illustrated this over and over again. He tells the story of the prodigal son. You probably know this one. The, the, the son who rejects his father, takes his inheritance, goes away, wastes it all, uh, has nothing, comes back. And what does the father do? He doesn't castigate him. He doesn't expel him. He welcomes him with loving arms. That's a picture of grace. He, he illustrates it in, the, pro, in the, uh, the, the, um, the parable of the lost sheep. The sheep who wanders away from the flock and gets lost. And the, and the shepherd leaves the 99 and goes to the one and says, I care about you. And Jesus illustrates it not just with stories, but with the way he interacts with people. Uh, there was a woman who was caught in adultery. The religious leaders throw her at Jesus' feet and say, what are you going to do with this woman? She's broken the law. Jesus says, she's, in fact, Jesus kneels down, is, gets close to her, with her. And rather than condemning her, He says, no one out here has the right to condemn you, because no one else here, everyone's fallen short of the glory of God, but neither do I. Jesus, the one person who could have condemned her, didn't. And that is grace. He loves to be with us in our mess, to come alongside us and say, I know you feel like you've blown it. I know you feel like you'd love to get things better sorted out. I know you've got regrets from the past. I know you've got shame and guilt that you carry around. But tell you what, I want to get rid of all of it and give you instead my holiness. And Jesus does that with Zacchaeus. Do you know Zacchaeus, the guy who's uh, the short tax collector? He's the chief tax collector. He is uh, enemy number one in the Jewish people because he's betrayed them. He's a traitor. And he's now an embezzler. He's taking all the money for himself. And yet he wants to find Jesus. He gets to the top of a sycamore tree. And he kind of looks to see what's going on with Jesus. And Jesus spots him and says, Zacchaeus, come down. I want to have supper with you tonight. I want to come to your house. 
This is completely crazy. These are the people who've blown it, who everyone knows they've blown it. And yet Jesus offers grace. Uh, time and again, he offers grace. And the ultimate um, descriptor of his grace is on the cross. Jesus on the cross takes all of our muck, our sin, our regrets, our shame, our guilt, the things that we feel bad about on himself. And in this beautiful exchange, he takes our sin and gives us his holiness. So when God looks at you tonight, as he does, as he is, he sees the holiness of Jesus. So this is what Craig, I, I wrote down what Craig said on, on last week. This is a guy who got baptized last week, probably watching online. Hi, Craig. Um, and uh, Craig it told some of his story, but this is what he said at the end. He said, I'd carried around a ball of anger and hatred against family members, authority figures, and for everyone. It's gone. I've forgiven, and I've been forgiven. You could see it in his face. I've, I've watched Craig's journey for the last two and a half years. He's a changed man because of the grace of Jesus who picks us up where we're at, welcomes us, puts us back together and says, you can receive my holiness. It's free for you. So, first thing I'd love to encourage you to do is to find Jesus. Maybe this is for the first time. Maybe you've never found Jesus before. Uh, and Alpha's a great place. We talked about that tonight as a place to explore. But maybe you need to re-find Jesus. Maybe you feel like you did know him, but you've kind of lost sight of him. My encouragement is do whatever you can to find Jesus because he's got a great gift for you. It's his holiness, his transformation, his forgiveness. So, firstly, find Jesus. He is the means of holiness. Secondly, follow Jesus. He is the model of holiness. We all need someone to look up to, don't we? Today, I, I took uh, Barney this afternoon. Uh, he got a new bike for his fifth birthday a week ago. And uh, he said, Daddy, please can we take it to the skate park and the BMX track? I want to have a go. So I said, okay, let's try it. So we went, if you've ever been to South Bristol swimming pool, there's, a, there's an amazing um, skate track. So there's loads of guys in their 20s and 30s who are skaters there. And then there was me <laughs> and Barney, who was five. And he was wearing his helmet and he was on his bike. The, the, the seat's as low as it can possibly go because he's got a bike with gears. He's very excited about it. And we went there and, and uh, he said, and, then, and there was... And he said, Daddy, um, let me have a little go. And he went down and back up again and down and back up again. And he was really loving it. And he said, uh, do, Daddy, do you want to have a go? <laughs> I said, um, well, I haven't got my bike here, so probably not. I'll just watch. And he said, well, why don't you use mine? I mean, it's a very small bike. So I said, okay, just to humor him. And I thought, I'm his dad. I need to sort of show that I can do this. So I got on his tiny bike, and I went down this very <laughs> steep slope. And I got to the end of the next slope, and I thought... What's going to happen when I get to the top? I'm going to fall. So I put on the brakes so hard that I went over the handlebars <laughs> upside down and landed on my back. Well, once I dusted myself down, uh, he came up to me and he said, Daddy, that looked really silly. And I said, yes, 
Thank you. I was so embarrassed. And I said, why don't you get back on your bike and have a go? So he carried on. Now, a few minutes later, uh, someone else turned up, and he happened to be a professional BMX rider. He had a BMX. And he, he, um, he was just sort of watching us for a while, and I thought, I am going nowhere near a bike for a while. And this guy suddenly, like, just went down. He went up again, and he flew up into the air. He, like, his whole bike turned around and came back down again. He kept on doing these things. And I thought, this is amazing. And I looked at Barney, and Barney's eyes were so wide. He said, Daddy, it's amazing. He's, his line was, Daddy, that man has won so many medals. I don't know how he knows that, but anyway... Um, but he was amazing. And you could see Barney thinking, I could see the cogs whirring. He said, Daddy, I want to do those tricks. When you can see someone else do it, you want to do it. You think, I could do that. We all need someone to follow. So who do we follow in holiness? Well, Jesus is the best example, isn't he? Jesus, who lived the most holy life. Holiness doesn't sounds a bit boring when we think about it in abstract, but Jesus wasn't boring. Jesus was the most dynamic, engaging, loving, caring, passionate, peaceful, uh, rebellious person you can imagine. He was exciting to be around. So as we follow Jesus, we learn to be a bit more like him. In the Old Testament, God says, be holy as I am holy. And there's one moment when one person comes up uh, to, to meet him, and that is Moses. Moses is on the mountain. And uh, Moses, it, it, God says, I'm going to reveal my glory to you. And he can't look directly at God, but he, he, he encounters God. And when he comes down the mountain, the description is that his face was shining. So much so that he had to wear a veil over his face because it was so shiny. It wasn't wasn't moisturizer. It was it was it was real encounter with Jesus. That why he was so shiny, and um, and there's this amazing picture of when you spend time in the presence of God, you begin to shine. So what does that mean for us now? Well, we can encounter Jesus ourselves, and when we do spend time with Jesus, we begin to shine as well. The more time you spend with someone, the more you become like them. But you may be, um, there was a, the, in, back in the 90s, before most of you were born, there was this um, thing which was called uh, WWJD. I don't know if you heard about that. A little bracelets. Uh, did anyone here have a bracelet with WWJD? Oh, look, oh, there we go. It wasn't just the 90s. Great. Noughties, tens, whatever. Okay, so um, WWJD, for those of you who don't know, stands for What Would Jesus Do? And the question is, how can I, I mean, it's a great intention. How can I live my life? in a way that Jesus would have lived it. How can I approach this decision? I've got to make a decision. How would Jesus approach this decision? I've got to make some plans for my life. What would Jesus do in my situation? It's a great question to ask. But it can seem a little bit distant, can it? can't it? Like, how would Jesus, who was in the first century, react to 21st century problems? So my encouragement is to not just look at Jesus, but to look at people who look like Jesus. Who do you know in your life who is like Jesus? Who do you know who you aspire to? When you're with them, you think, I want to be more like you because you're a bit more like Jesus. You know, Paul says that to, to, um, to the church. He says, follow me as I follow Christ. He's not trying to sort of big himself up. He's just saying, I've been doing this for a bit longer. I've been trying to follow Jesus for a while now. Why don't you try and follow me, the things that I do? Who are the people in your life Aspire, uh, encourage you to be like Jesus, to be like his holiness.
Maybe it's mentors. We have a mentoring scheme here. If you're interested, come and chat to us. Maybe it's a prayer partner who helps you and encourages you to be more like Jesus. Maybe it's at hubs or homes where you meet others who are on the same journey. We need to do this together. Blaise Pascal, who was a French philosopher, said this, The serene beauty of a holy life is the most powerful influence in the world next to the power of God. The more beautifully holy we become, the more of an impact we have in the world around us. Now, it's tempting to think, isn't it, that, okay, I don't have to earn God's love. I'm saved by grace. I'm forgiven. And now the rest is up to me. Do you ever think that? I was saved by grace, but now the rest is up to me. It's a bit like Jesus has paid for my entry into the race. He's got me to the start line. That's good. And he's also gone off in front of me as the pace setter. But now it's all up to me to try and get there. It's quite exhausting thought. But here's the third point. Be filled with Jesus. He's the method of holiness. In other words, you don't have to do it on your own, this race. Jesus is with you by the power of his Holy Spirit. And Jesus has paid the price, yes. He's set the pace, yes. But he's also in you and with you by his Holy Spirit. Have you ever noticed that the Holy Spirit is called the Holy Spirit? He is holy. He is Jesus. He is in you. And therefore you are holy through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, that doesn't mean that we just sit there on our sofa, on our Xbox, hoping that somehow the Holy Spirit is going to make us into Jesus. No, we have to get out there and get doing stuff, interact with people, learn from situations, rub up against others, have difficult conversations, have pain and difficulty and joy and sadness and all of that stuff. But in the midst of it, the Holy Spirit is changing us into the likeness of Jesus. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18 picks up this imagery of, of Moses with his face uh, transformed encountering Jesus. Uh, in fact, encountering God. It says this, We all who with unveiled faces, unlike Moses, all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. You notice that the Spirit is the one who transforms us by degrees into the likeness of Jesus. It's the difference between being a chameleon and a caterpillar. A chameleon, long-tailed lizard, changes color depending on the background that it's on. If it's on a brown background, it becomes brown. If it's on a green background, it becomes green. And that's the temptation, isn't it, in our world? to change who we are, to fit in with who we're with and the circumstance we're in. But it's quite tiring. I don't know if you ever tried to do that. If you're trying to be one person with one group of people, another person with another group of people, to try and fit in the whole time, it's quite tiring. And it creates a tension. I heard um, someone said that, I don't know if this is true, but they did an experiment with a chameleon and they put it on a piece of tartan to see how it reacted to the different colors, and apparently exploded because it couldn't deal with the tension. I don't know if that's true, actually. But anyway, <laughs> the point is, it's really hard to live different lives in different places. But there's something really exciting about being distinct, 
about being different, about just being who you are, the way that God has made you, and encouraging yourself to be that person in all circumstances. And this is the transformation that happens to the caterpillar. Leave behind the chameleon. The caterpillar is the one who goes into the cocoon and is transformed into this amazing, beautiful butterfly. That is what God wants to do with you through the Holy Spirit. He wants to transform you into the best possible version of yourself. The best possible version of yourself that is like Jesus. And if we'll let him, that's what he'll do. Now, God never forces himself on any of us. He just invites us and says, would you like to find me? Would you like to follow me? Would you like to be filled with my spirit? And it's up to you what you say. But I'd love to encourage you as we go on this journey of discipleship, of looking at how we can become holy and distinct, the best version of ourselves, the most like Jesus, my encouragement is to say yes. What does it look like this week to find Jesus, to follow Jesus, and to be filled with Jesus? Because if we all do that by degrees, the places that we work will be changed. The places that we socialize in will be changed. Our families will be changed. Our friends will be changed because we will be changed by God's grace. Shall we pray? Lord, we thank you that you know us so well. And you know that however hard we might try, we're never going to be holy. But we thank you, Lord, that you came to rescue us, to forgive us, to cleanse us, to give us a new start. And Lord, we want to find you again for the first time. We want to ask for your forgiveness and your restoration. We want to thank you, Lord, that as we give you our stuff, you, in this beautiful exchange on the cross, give us your holiness, your righteousness. And so we receive that afresh tonight. And we pray too, Lord, that you would, by your spirit, enable us to become more and more like you. Help us to spend time with you. Help us to find people who are like you. And in doing so, we pray that you would transform us from one degree of glory to another, that we would be changed and this world would be changed. In Jesus' name.